Ryan, did you clear your calendar the rest of the day? No, I did not. <laughs> Just stuff keeps getting added. So. All right, all right. Baby sips, baby sips. That's right, spit, spit. This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. If you listen to our Friday show called This Week in Bourbon, you would hear us talk about tequila quite often. And that's because it's been called the next rising spirit. But I mean, who doesn't like a good margarita? But much like bourbon, there's a lot to know about what goes into making the spirit. And to help explain all that, we even invited Alfonso Esquivius to the show. He's the founder and owner of Drinks with Fonz. Alfonso sent Ryan and I 12 different tequilas, and we sample them as we go through here to know more about them. It was a lot of tequila, I promise you that, but I have a much deeper appreciation for tequila after this. Alfonso talks about the laws to be called a tequila, and we dive into the process of harvesting agave and distilling it. We then tackle the touchy subject of how many tequilas in the market are full of additives like sugar, and how you shouldn't trust many celebrity brands as well. After all, it looks like there are a lot of close ties to bourbon now. So listen closely to the brands that we do talk about on the show, so you know which ones are additive-free and legit. But with that, enjoy this week's episode. Hope you learned a little bit about tequila, but keep drinking bourbon. Now, here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Philip Snyder, who writes me on fredminnick.com. Now, get ready, folks. This is a long email, but I feel like it is worth reading every bit of it. Would bourbon be growing as fast in popularity if Buffalo Trace products were all readily available at SRP? My question is rooted in the anecdotal observation that hunting and bunkering bottles is only the result of the FOMO undertone in the bourbon culture. Buffalo Trace specifically, not their own doing, seem, well, I don't know about that, seems to be the pinnacle brand reaping the reward of this. I think the image of them as a distillery not wanting to jack up prices, even though they could be two to ten times according to secondary market, gives them the brand deniability innocence behind the three-tier system. It is this combination of circumstances that I would like to get your opinion on. From reading your book and listening to you on the whiskey tubes, I know you have a you have rooted yourself in the history of bourbon and could speak to general market growth in comparison to the allocation phenomenon. Then he's like thankful for insight and stuff. By the way, I rarely read the entire email, but well-written email, and I love some good grammar. So thank you, Philip, for that question. Would bourbon be growing as fast if Buffalo Trace was readily available yeah, I think, honestly, I think this is an incredible point. I really do. If you take away our little bubble of bourbon fanatics and you just take a look at the pure media part of it and the people that want to align with brands, like celebrities want to align themselves with Buffalo Trace and Pappy Van Winkle. And I've seen it play out you know, behind the scenes of musicians wanting to get not only bottles, but have some kind of affiliation with them. And so there's there's absolute power. And the fact that they keep those the prices low, it is a strategy that probably is influenced with that, that deniability aspect. 
But at the same time, there are enough people at that distillery and in that company that have a, a rooted belief in the old SRPs and even if they're not realistic to what the value of the product is. But there's people there who really do believe that if there's a chance that a guy who is a, a manager at a plumbing company, which they make great money, will be able to afford a $329 bottle of Pappy. Is that realistic? Eh, I don't know. But I think there's I think there's some merit to this whole point that bourbon would not be as popular if Buffalo Trace wasn't as widely talked about in the FOMO circles, if it wasn't always in the news, if it wasn't on television. I mean, it's on Yellowstone now, for God's sake. If it wasn't a part of all these things, I don't know, because you don't see a lot of other brands driving that conversation. You know, maybe Michter's, Michter's has it, but I think Michter's benefits from the success that Sazerac has had with Buffalo Trace. So, yeah, I think it's something to chew on. I really do. I think that's part of a greater discussion, one that's possibly a roundtable here. But from my perspective, I think Philip is onto something. And I do think that the FOMO of Buffalo Trace has had a huge impact on the bourbon community and the bourbon industry. That's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Philip, write a well-crafted, properly grammared, and all sorts of emails to me at fredminnick.com, even though my grammar wasn't so good on that sentence. But hit the contact button, and if I like the question, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, 
and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome, everybody. We've got a very special episode of bourbon slash tequila pursuit today. And this is something that we talked about tequila before, especially on This Week at Bourbon as being one of the spirits that has really taken off since the pandemic started. Maybe just a lot of people love to start making margaritas at home, but it's also one of the spirits that have recently come to change in regards of people that are gravitating towards into bourbon. That spirit in that category is growing because it's something that people love to enjoy. They love to sip neat. And now you're starting to see the same exact thing happen with inside of tequila. And we've talked about it plenty of times before, and I am really excited to be able to bring our guest on today, not only because he brought a plethora of tequilas to be able to, for us to share and enjoy. When I opened up the box and I saw all these, I said, I think our guest wants us to die because there's so much that we have to go through today. I know. I opened mine up. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I texted Kenny. I was like, what is this stuff? <laughs> He's like, that's for the episode. I was like, all right, well, let's saddle up. But no, I mean, tequila is crazy how fast it's, I mean, but it makes sense. I mean, it's a very versatile spirit. It's easy to put in cocktails. You know, you can do as simple as a club soda and lime, you know, and make a ranch water or you can sip and eat. You can make margaritas. It's just such a great, like hot summertime drink that everybody loves margaritas. You know, like they love Taco Tuesdays. They love yet to find one person that does not enjoy margarita. Yeah. I mean, and so it, it makes sense. And it's an easy spirit to put in like RTDs and seltzers and all that. So it's not surprising. Now, Mezcal, people are, they're still crazy. Like that makes no sense <laughs> to me. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of get in and see if, see if uh, Tequila World has some smoke involvement as well. But let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. So today on the show, we have Alfonso Esquivius. He is the founder and owner of Drinks with Fonz, mobile bartending service out of Southern California. So Alfonso, welcome to the show. Hey, Kenny. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk tequila with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Before we get to that, I mean, I remember when you kind of pitched this to me because we had... I think most of the time we talk about tequila and we put it on our Instagram of This Week in Bourbon and we're amazed with the growth and the explosion of it. But of course, Ryan and I, we are not well-versed in that sort of spirit. And you said, well, guys, there's actually a lot of crossover between the two. And sort of you said, well, not only doing a lot of tequila, I've been following you guys for a long time. I know a lot about bourbon and I think it'd be a really good thing. I said, Let's do it. Let's sign you up because I think you can really help not only just educate us, but educate a lot of our listeners out there that might be wanting to venture into the tequila world. You'll be able to help people steer away from places that are like, oh, like super additive or celebrity or whatever to try to figure out how do you navigate this space? Because I'm even sure that people that are in the bourbon world that get into it, they would see a celebrity behind it and they go and go after it. And they didn't know it was just 80 proof MGP at the end of the day, right? So we want to want to try and help educate people as much as possible. But to kind of be before we start into that, I want to know a little bit more about you, sort of how did you get into wanting to know more about spirits? You know, was there a, somebody that helped guide your way? Is there something that was a, a teacher for you? Did you just happen to just stumble upon it and really like spirits? Kind of tell your story a little bit. Yeah. So back in March, 2021, I kind of started reading more about cocktails. I got, oh, I've always bartended. I bartend at a restaurant, but it's more kind of like basic style drinks. Very simple, margaritas, Mai Tais, nothing, nothing wild. Not crafty, that's what I'm trying to say. So I started reading more books 
And I started getting into it. Now, as you get into those cocktail books, they start using better ingredients, better tequilas, better bourbon. And I had a friend that first introduced me to bourbon. And like at my bar, we have Blanton's and everybody, you know, loves Blanton's. They ask about it. And I remember that was the first bottle I was trying to get. And my friend invited me over to his house and he had, you know, he had a stag. And to me, that first time I tried stagging, I was like, oh, my God, this is too, it is a lot. So that's kind of how it started. You know, he brought out some Weller. I really enjoyed that. And then it was just trying to find it, just trying to find bourbon. And then I started getting into tequila. And I used to be the type to just go into the store and buy, you know, they're all the same, whichever one's cheaper. And then I started reading and seeing that there's additives in some tequilas, a lot of the big brands. Now, what they do is they add, for example, coloring to give it consistency. Like, as you guys know, every batch is different for bourbon. Whether they do the same process or not, it will be different uh, because of the barrel, the aging, same over here. So the big brands, they try to keep the consistency and they'll add stuff like glycerin, vanilla extract, oak extract, caramel. And there are brands that do not do this. Now, these are brands are added to free tequila. They let pretty much nature do the work. So I really got into it, started doing a lot of research and found all these tequilas. And most of my passion has been for tequila. I do love bourbon. I have a pretty good selection of bourbon. And to me, it was just like, I remember hearing that episode. And, you know, you guys mentioned a couple brands, which are the most popular ones. And I feel like that's what a lot of people know. And I want other people to know, like, there's really good stuff out there, especially like bourbon enthusiasts. You guys have the palate, you know, you guys sip, everybody sips and you guys can understand the complexities of tequila. And I thought it was a great idea to send you a message and you responded pretty quick. I was actually pretty thrilled. I was like, oh, wow. I thought it was going to be left on the unread. So that that was exciting. (laughs) I try to respond to everything. That's for sure. But this one definitely caught my attention. I'm glad it did. I was super excited. I remember telling my wife, I sent you guys a couple samples that I think are going to be a good balance about of everything. Where to start for someone that's a big bourbon fan to get into it. There's like the top one. I feel like that's a really good one to get into it because of the similarities between bourbon. Well, let's go ahead and let's kind of start down that path. Or, or Ryan, do you want to jump in there real quick? Yeah, I was just going to say... Obviously, it sounds like there's not as many restriction on tequila, but I think there are, are some like it has to come from a certain region or certain. So tell us some of those parameters that has to be to be considered, you know, like tequila. Yeah, well, there's actually a huge amount of restrictions by it's called the CRT and they regulate everything about tequila can only come from five states in Mexico, Jalisco, Tamaulipas, Michoacán, Nayarit and Guanajuato. And they're all kind of neighboring Jalisco. Jalisco is the only state that can produce it in the whole state. All the other four states, only certain areas, regions. They can only be used from one agave, which is the Blue Weber agave, which I'm sure I'm sure you guys have seen what, what it looks like. Well, can you describe it? Like, yeah, like try to describe it for listeners. Big aloe plant. Yeah, that's what, I, kind of what I'm thinking too. Yeah, it's a huge agave plant. It's, it's like pointy. It's humongous. And then like when they harvest it, they cut off the leaves. And then it is just like a piña. They call it a piña. It's like a big round ball that can weigh up to 50, 80, 80 pounds. So that's how it starts. And for example, they when they do age it, most of it is aged in bourbon barrels. There are some projects that they do and they age it in you know, wine barrels and stuff like that. But for the most part, they use bourbon barrels because as you guys know, you guys can only use the bourbon barrel once. 
It has to be brand new every time. So they get shipped out and that's what they use the most of it. And when it goes into a bourbon barrel, is there a name that goes into it? I know I'm looking at this list and you see like extra añejo. Like I don't really understand what that means. Kind of explain some of the meaning. So when they get distilled, it could go straight to bottling or it could be aged up to two months. It's very early as it aged. Some do age it, but that is a Blanco. And so it's from distilled zero to two months of aging. And then from two months to 11 months, it would be a reposado. So that means that that tequila was aged two months to 11 months. Once it hits the year, it becomes an añejo. And then three years would be extra añejo. So that means that right now we, if you guys are going through the list, I, be, I believe. Yeah. So I poured the first one here and I'll let you explain everything as we go through here. Because the first one, you kind of caught me a little bit for a loop because it's like, oh, let's get, find these other brands that nobody's ever heard of. And the first one's actually from Patron. Yeah, it's from, from Patron. And I was like, oh, okay. But I, I kind of want you to explain sort of why. So Patron is one of the big brands that still makes pretty quality tequila. Not bad, not great, but they do a good job. This is the Patron Extrañejo. Well, the first time I tried it and I sipped it, it really reminded me about bourbon. I feel like there is a heavy bourbon influence from the barrels on this one. I feel like if you gave it to a pretty novice person with a bourbon side by side, they would say it's a bourbon. For you guys, you know, you understand bourbon very well. And I don't think that would happen to you guys. But I feel like it has a lot of similarity to bourbon, this one. Yeah, it definitely smells like a maybe like a two to three year old bourbon you know it's got like those earthy notes from the tequila but it's got that it's like starting to make that turn it's got some of that oak characteristic it's got that little bit caramel vanilla hints of that in there as well and from what i noticed at least amongst all the samples this one is one of the darker ones through all of it so extra añejo which means it's definitely gonna have a little bit more of that barrel aging influence into it yeah so for this one it means it was at least in the barrel three years so definitely a lot of like you said the bourbon like two to three years Kind of like, you know, has that color that it might get to from that time. Some do age it a little longer and they will specify some age it up to five years. But uh, the extrañejo, the standard is three years. So in the world of tequila, you basically just gave us the breakdown of Reposado and Blanca and all that up to extrañejo. Now, in the world of whiskey, we all look at it like, well, of course it has to be in the barrel. If it's in the barrel less than four, a lot of people don't even want to try it. Now, in the world of tequila, it seems like it's more acceptable to say like, oh, yeah, we can drink a basically a, a two-month-old tequila and it's perfectly fine. It's great. There's not a lot of people in the whiskey world that said, I love to drink a two-month-year-old whiskey. I mean, is that just like a, a difference in those, those types of spirits? There is because the natural expression of tequila is a blanco. The, blanco, the reposados, añejos, and extrañejo became to meet the standard of the, the Americans, you know, because Americans wanted it a lot. And they really had to do something about it because they did not want to send the Blanco because they, they're used to an aged spirit. So they're like, okay, wh what do we have to do? Well, we got to do what they're doing with the aging process. And that's what it was doing. So that's why, and that's what sometimes a lot of people think that the Blanco is not good because it's not, you know, it doesn't have the color. It's not aged. And it, that's a common misconception because a true expression of tequila is the Blanco. That's where you're going to get the true agave notes, what tequila is meant to be. And that's actually why I started you guys with the Extrañejo. A lot of the time when people do tasting, they do Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, and then Extrañejo. But I feel like when you're getting new people or people that are being introduced to tasting tequila, 
it's best to start from the top, the sweeter profile one, and move your way down to the Blanco. So then your palate's ready for the true agave expression. Okay. So you're you're basically calling us noobs at getting into this and say, we're going to take you all from the sweet corn profile and we're going to get you into being actual tequila tasters by the end of this. No, I like it. We're going to start you with makers. And then- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, because when you when we get down to some of the Blancos, you guys will see like, you will see the huge difference. If I feel like if I started you guys off with the Blancos, you might be like, ooh, this is very different and interesting. <laughs> really, this is going to be a really short podcast, of Alfonso. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I have noticed I do tend to move towards in the the Añejo. I don't love the Blanco. I don't love like the earthiness of them. But I'm to be fair, I've probably drinking two or three probably nicer Blancos, and I tend to. St- but I don't know. There's something about that barrel characteristic that just helps round out some of those earthy notes that like are kind of offensive to me coming from the bourbon world that's what we're trying to like avoid in your profiles your blends and this and that you're looking for those kind of earthy funky character that kind of but in tequila that seems to be like the pronounced flavor or whatnot yeah a lot of the blancos will have like for example a lot of minerality a lot of earthiness a ton there's some that taste like i remember the episode of that one you mentioned mezcal tastes like dirt and yes some some of them do and then that is a characteristic. It's a common one. But yeah, as it gets aged a little longer, it loses a little bit of that. But also some of the really good master distillers are trying to create the balance of not losing it and not letting it become bourbon. Because at the end of the day, they're trying to make a really good aged tequila. And that's what... So there, there are some reposados when we get a little lower, you're going to see how light it is and you wouldn't think it's a reposado. And that's just because the, the way they use the barrels, for example, some of them, each distillery has different brands, you know, just like uh, Buffalo Trace makes a bunch of different bourbons. They do the same over here. Now, some of them do like, okay, this brand is going to use the barrel the first time we get it. And then we're passing it on and passing it on and passing it on. And that's how they create those tequilas. When it gets to the end, it's not picking up that much color from the barrel. And it same with the flavor profile. It's going to be a lot different. So they get really creative with the usage of barrels of them as well. Do they recharge barrels in Mexico? I know we talk about that all the time of having a fortified wine or a port or a sherry, something like that. And people will dump a few gallons into it, roll it around, keep it in there for a few days, and then they'll start dumping their their whiskey in there. Is there something like that that happens in, in this as well? Yeah, they char them. They chip them. I know I was talking, I was at an event, a tequila tasting event, and I met one of the tequila owners and he said he bought one and he filled it up with honey. He's going to let it sit there for, I forgot what the the time he said, I think six months or something like that. And he was going to use it for an extrañejo. And so they they get creative and they do a lot of things. I know some, one of my favorite brands, they try to go through it three cycles, which is the first time they get it, they throw extrañejo, you know, that sits for 18 months. And then they pass it on to a reposado and then a reposado. And then they rechar it. And then they do that process again two more times. They hope to get two times, but the third time it might not be good anymore. So each time they're going to taste a little different. They're going to lose a little bit of the barrel, but they get creative. They do a lot of stuff. Now, how do you go about figuring out who is doing additives and who's not? Like the first one, would there be any additives in that in the Patron or or is that just a pure? No, I sent you guys all pure ones except one. And that's the last one. But uh, yeah, there's an app called Tequila Matchmaker. And they do a really good job at putting, you know, they put what has additives, what does not. There's reviews. 
and fans and stuff. And they go through a very extensive process of verifying if they add additives or not. They dig up a lot. They go to the distillery, visit. They check records and stuff. So some brands might not even want that. And they might be added free, but we don't know. Or they do know. Some people will know. Now, the big brands, they don't want to do that. And more than likely, it's because of what they're doing, which isn't bad. They, you know, Just like every bourbon has a place for everyone, same with tequila. It has a place for everyone. But these are there's some really good brands. And you know, as an enthusiast, you just want to get people to try them and see what real tequila is. Also, because a lot of people hate tequila and associate it with just being like a shot or for mar- margaritas, which there's nothing bad about it because it's a, it makes a great cocktail. But there's so much more to it as well. And that's kind of like what I like to push on people. I really like the nose on this second one. That's, I was about to say, the second one's amazing. I already, already tried mine. Oh, yeah. So that's one of the best ones. That's uh, Pasote Extrañejo. I actually have the bottle right here, so I'll show it to you guys. That's this one right here. That's beautiful. Kind of looks like a Four Roses Super Premium bottle a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is really good. It's this nice is and really creamy good. and yeah. buttery, citrusy. Yeah. This actually has, it's, it's kind of sad because uh, they switched distilleries from where this one was made. That distillery, they don't add additives, but the distillery this one was at is one of the best ones. They are super creative. They use a lot of rainwater. So that's some of the creativity that the G4, actually the distillery for Pasote would do. They collect rainwater and they use that towards their tequilas as well, along with spring water. So it, they're really creative and that, that Pasote is one of the best yeah it's all it's and too it's got this like nice peppery finish on it too like a it's really balanced got a lot of good unique flavors that i i'm enjoying it's like creamy fruity got a little spice on the end i'm impressed with this one yeah this one's uh, one of my favorite uh, this was my uh, 30th birthday bottle so this one 160 so if you see the like if someone were to see pasote extrañejo they should grab it because they're not made anymore at that distillery and the new distillery they're at they would have to wait at least three years for it to be available because it is an aging process, just like bourbon. But so once that one is out, it's out. And the flavor profile will be different from this new distillery just because it's different methods as well. The other thing I noticed about it as well is that you got an extra 10 points in proof that has been added to it as well. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about the proof side of things because a lot of things that I'm looking at here is like around like 80 to 90 proof. There's one at 96, but you don't really see a lot of things that maybe I've never been accustomed to it. The idea of barrel proof or foolproof or straight from the barrel or anything like that. So what's the idea of marketing and selling everything between that 80 to 90 proof range in, in the tequila world? So for it to be considered tequila, when it gets shipped to the U.S., it has to be a minimum of 40, 40 proof. And then the maximum it could be is 110 proof. It cannot be higher than 110 proof. So that is the, the sweet spot, 40 to 110 proof. Now, most of it will always be 80 to 90 proof. When we in the tequila world talk high proof, it's going to be 100. So there's, as, as far as I know, there's only one that's at 110, and that's it. Now, same thing with bourbon. The higher the proof, the more you get a lot of flavor. You get a ton of flavor because that's obviously less diluted. Like, for example, in, in Mexico, it starts at 35 proof. So that's why over there they think it's a little smoother. Some people call it smoother. The fact is it's just more diluted. But most of these, this pasote, like you said, it is 90 proof. And that's kind of what you're going to see, all the añejos and reposados. Is that is that entry proof close to that, into the barrel, or I guess a blanco, or are they just 
Oh, off the still, I guess. What's that typically? Or do you know? Some, I like, I know at the Soto, they, what is it? They distill to proof and they're at 80. So it just depends on everyone. But they do like some uh, Fortaleza. I was talking to one of their guys and he told me that entry level was 43%. So they, well, 86. So that they try to, there's not too much that they do to it. Just right on the spot usually. Yeah. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, it's a little bit different. I was like, ours is 160 max that can come off of it, off the still and stuff like that on the bourbon side. So entry proof of 125. Well, entry proof is 125, but off the still is 160. But still, that's that's quite a, a dramatic difference that you're you're looking at. Probably a lot more flavor that's going to be coming from the agave plant as well as that you're beginning through that distillation process. The highest I sent you guys, I think it's going to be like 96. Yeah, 96. That's it. I didn't have the 110 at that time when I sent out the samples, but you got to try that we'll one day. We'll forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got a lot to drink through here. This third one's funky. It's got like a mushroom kind of flavor and fungus type thing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of talk about number three. I, I also kind of looked at this one after tra- tasting the first two, you kind of start getting a little bit more of a, a flavor influence in it. And at the same exact time, this one's a little bit easier to drink too. This is actually like a lot of our favorites brand. And this is actually like, if you were to see it, you guys can see it. This is what a piña looks like after they cut off the the leaves. So it'd be pop out. And this is Fortaleza. They are probably the most traditional brand there is. They still use the Tajona, which I sent you the, like a topper. And that's what Tajona looks like. It's very inefficient, but it gives a sweeter juice. What's what's the Tajona do? I guess I was confused about that part. The Tajona is a huge round volcanic stone that they use it like in a circle pit and they put the agaves and it crushes the agaves. And that's how they get the sugar, the juices, all that. Kind of like a mortar and pistol or whatever. Yeah. yeah like yeah. a muddle. Yeah. Getting, basically yeah. is what it is. As opposed to the newer technology ways, that roller mill, you know, they just throw in the agaves and it just extracts all the juice through there. Now there is a different method and that's one of the methods that creates really bad tequila and that's a diffuser. They pretty much power wash the agaves and that's how they get, they're able to get all of the fermentable sugars out of there. But the thing is they're using agaves that are maybe two to three years old. And that's one thing I haven't mentioned. Agaves usually take up, a good brand will use agaves that are six years old, six to eight years old. It's true maturation is about 10 years. So it takes a really long time to make tequila. You plant agaves, you're going to wait six years for them to be able to to harvest and use. Then you got to do the process, fermentation, distillation, aging. So it takes a really long time. Some, for example, the extrañejo that was aged three years, that was probably a process of 10 to 12 years to get into the bottle. Wow. So it's kind of like it, it reverses and flips everything from bourbon, right? I mean, bourbon with grains, you have a harvest every single year. And you can turn those grains into whiskey immediately, but to actually have the whiskey be, not to say it can't be consumable, but to be something that people actually want to go and purchase all the time, you have to age it. Palatable. Thank you. It has to have some sort of age on it, typically around four to eight, sometimes even 12 or 23 years. Now, the tequila side, you're right, it kind of flips it upside down where you have to wait for the actual, in this case, it's not technically a grain, but the plant to actually come to maturity. So it's a, it's an interesting kind of dynamic that you get there. Yeah, that's true. And for example, some brands like this brand, if, if you're still on the third one, Fortaleza, they can keep up with production because they do it so old school that obviously 
it's a slow process. You know, there's not a, a there's not much they can do about it. So sometimes the añejo, it's really hard to get. Like I haven't found another bottle of the Fortaleza añejo. That's why I haven't drank any more of it. Because what do you do? Like when you well, have thank añejo, you for sharing yeah, it with us. Yeah, no, then. I share yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes they have a choice to make. They're like, okay, we have money sitting. What do we do? You know, are we going to send it out as reposado, or are we just gonna have one or two? a few barrels of the añejo so it's it's kind of tough for them and if they don't have an extra añejo but if they did it would be even tougher it would probably be a super super exclusive batch if they had an extra añejo but they stick to the añejo because they're already having trouble enough with it but yeah that fortaleza is one of my favorite what'd you guys think about that one i'm already falling in love with these number two yeah, yeah. i was going to say number two i think was still in front of me for number the number three but still it's a, it's a close second. three's really good they're different two's probably more approachable more balanced whereas three is just like really interesting unique funky i feel like two i could drink all the time three is just like some you know it's like once there's a lot going on but i'm on to four too yeah so i just poured number four as well which is the tepazon on yeho is that the right trick way to say it i really like this one a lot i love the nose this is one of my favorites they're all one of your favorites yeah <laughs> now i sent you guys all my favorites actually so I didn't mention Fortaleza, probably $90 for the Añejo. This is a very affordable Añejo, $50 for this Añejo. $50, $60 max, you might see it. It almost has some like raw whiskey characteristics to it. Now that you say it, I'm kind of getting that too. The color on this one is a little bit, you know, a little bit darker on this one as opposed to the other two. Yeah, there's some like fruitiness, but some minty. There's like a slight mint. I don't know. This one I, I wish was like, it's a little light. I wish it had a little bit more proof. I don't know. It seems like it's lighter proof than the second one. I don't have the proofs in front of me. Kenny may. Yes, you're right. Because the second one was 90 proof. The one that you're tasting right now is also another 80 proof. Most of them are going to be 80 proof. I'll let you know when we cross over that 80 proof chasm, if you will. Yeah, but for the money, $50, this is this is good. The second one that you guys like, they will be now made at Teposan Distillery, which is the distillery where this one is made at. The one you guys are trying right now. Mm-hmm. So just similar characteristics. They definitely try to be different, but there's always similarities when you're making it at the same distillery. Is this guy the most popular distillery? Is there a distiller in, in all? Who's the MGP of tequila? Well, it depends who you ask. There's a lot of favorites, but there's a set of brothers, uh, Carlos Camarena and then uh, Felipe Camarena. They're generations. They're like fifth generations. So anything Camarena, for the most part, there's one Camarena that's out there that's, I don't think he's related to them, but... So they're like the nose or the wrestles. Yeah, they make a ton of good stuff. And their distilleries are called El Pandillo for Felipe Camarena and then La Alteña for Carlos Camarena. And I think we have them coming out. Yeah, the next one is uh, from Felipe Camarena. And that's a G4 Reposado. You'll notice the color on that one. I was about to say, I, I poured a new glass just to make sure. I go, When I go from the Añejos to the Reposados, I was like, all right, I'm going to try a new glass just to make sure I uh, don't have any other influence from the, the other ones. So this one is the G4 Reposado. And this is, if you notice the color on this one and compare it to like, if you guys still have any of the other ones, it is that for a Reposado that looks, you know, it almost looks like there's no color in there. Yeah, I was about to say, it, it's very much what you'd expect, something that's two to 11 months aged. This one's very good. This one's a little bit more grassy. To me, I always, I find it's a weird, weird word to say, but I, I like to say refreshing. To me, it feels like it's a refreshing reposado. Yeah, there's some like lemongrass. So now we're getting closer to the more agave. 
Yeah, and when you take a lot of that barrel character and barrel influence out of it. Now, for me, Ryan, I'll kind of ask the question to you. I'm pretty sure my first interaction with tequila was not like this. I'm sure it was Jose Cuervo. Yeah, upside down margarita shots or something. <laughs> or is that pineapple upside down cake? Oh, Mont- oh, gosh. And Heaven Hill actually had a tequila that was like just crap. But it was like $8 a handle. So, Alfonso, I'll kind of pose this to you is that if people are coming to this from that world of Jose Cuervo, Montezuma, and stuff like that, what are they missing out on? Like, is that typical tequila? Is it so bottom shelf? Is it a bunch of additives? Like, what makes that sort of like this very just like mass market sort of type of brand? It's pretty bottom shelf because they, the amount that, for example, Jose Cuervo puts out is so much that they have to take a lot of shortcuts. Now, the thing is, they control everything with marketing. They control everything, all the shelf space in Mexico. They're huge. And not only that, they control like the the money being sent to the CRT. You know, the CRT could do something about or could try to regulate things for it to be more traditional tequila. But Jose Cuervo, you know, they pay so much, they'd be like, okay, then we don't need you. We just won't be called tequila anymore. Because that's all they basically do. They give you the, just like bourbon, you know, to be able to be a bourbon, you have to meet certain guidelines. Same with tequila. Now, one thing I will say, when you grab a tequila bottle, make sure it says 100% agave. Because there's some that are mixtos. And that means that it's only 51% coming from the blue wherever agave. And 49% is coming from any other type of sugars. So that's one thing that the bottles don't specify. But they do have to say 100% agave or blue Weber agave. Somewhere in the bottle, it'll say it. So at least look for that. And that's a good start. I would say, you know, avoid Jose Cuervo. There's a lot of good options out there that are even for $30, you could pick up a really good bottle, $40, and even $50, $60. Bourbon's expensive. So it's not like all these prices are going to be yeah, shocking anyone for that's trying to pick up a good tequila bottle. Yeah, so the uh, the G4, that one real quick. So what's the price on on something like that one? $38 to $45, $45 max. So it's a it's really well priced, $45. Yeah, that one's versatile. Where I could see it being good on ice with a lime wedge or um on a cocktail. Yeah, but it's still good neat too. I still prefer the Añejos, but it's good. <laughs> it depends on how you want it. I mean, you we kind of talked about at the very top of this. It's a very versatile kind of drink. So if you are looking for something to just to mix in your, I'd say, top shelf margaritas is what you're trying to make here, then you're going to be looking at, and I guess that's a good question for you too, Alfonso, is as we're starting to look through here, is that if you're looking for something that's going to be like a mixer, is, a, is using one of these as a mixer, is that blasphemy? I mean, usually like when people start talking about in bourbon, they're like, oh, I'm going to go mix this with Coke. If somebody says, I'm going to go mix this to make a margarita, is it is it blasphemy in the tequila world? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. 
take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Is using one of these as a mixer, is that blasphemy? I mean, usually like when people start talking about in bourbon, they're like, oh, I'm going to go mix this with Coke. If somebody says I'm going to go mix this to make a margarita, is it is it blasphemy in the tequila world? A little bit, just because like, if, you know, if you lo- use a really nice bourbon and you mix it like with Coke, you're going to lose all the flavors that it has. You're going to lose what you get out of it. Now, there are ways to enhance it. Like I like to use a reposado or maybe even a añejo, like on a Cadillac margarita or there's a really good drink called uh, Oaxacan Old Fashioned, and that does have a little bit of mezcal, but you use uh, reposado or añejo tequila, and then half an ounce of mezcal, a little bit of agave, and it is one of the most refreshing, a couple dashes of angostura bitters, I forgot, and it's really good old-fashioned style drink. So you definitely want to use a reposado and añejo because, you know, you get those nice notes of the oak, the barrel, vanilla, caramel, anything like that. So it just depends what you're going for. But I would say stick to a Blanco for mixing. Are we on the, I think, El Tesoro? I am on El Tesoro. El, El Tesoro Reposado. This is the brother of the one we just had, Felipe Camarena. This is Carlos Camarena. This one specifically was one of the ones that's crushed with the Tajona. That topper I sent you is actually from this bottle. So it's really nice topper. This isn't that one. This is their Extrañejo. This one is aged five years. I didn't have that one at that time. So sorry about that. But this is a Tajona. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll have to have a second version of this where you send us all the stuff that you said you didn't have. Yeah, I found this one to be very close to bourbon as well. A little bit more for reposado. I feel like it's very oaky to me. This one was very oaky. Yeah, I'm actually a more fan of this one than I am of the G4. And maybe if I had to choose an alliance between a brother, I'm going to go with Carlos on this one. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with any of them. They, they make great stuff. So is the Camarena family, when I think about this, is it is it like the beams where all of a sudden they just started like jutting out and then all of us, they just had 42 different distilleries that at some point the lineage just kind of all kind of Christmas treat out? Yeah. From what I know, I that's kind of how it went. Yeah. They're dead. They're, I think, fifth generation or fourth generation distillers. They brought agave to, I think it's called Los, Los Altos. That's the first where they first brought it. And they has just kept going and they each have their, I know two of them have their own distilleries and they make all authentic, genuine, traditional tequila. And they do a great job. There's probably around 12 brands, uh, maybe more, maybe 12 to 16 brands between the two that they work on. So they, they put out a lot of good stuff. That's a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and just jump to the next one. So this is back into your one of your favorite ones, right? The Fortalaza? 
Fortaleza Reposado, yeah. Fortaleza. Sorry, Fortaleza. I got I got to work on my my Spanish my Spanish Inyas over here. Yeah. This is uh, another really good one. I actually like when I tell people if you don't want to spend a lot, but you want a really good quality one, if you see this one, it's one of the best ones. It's a really nice balance between an aged one and you're getting a lot of the traditional, all traditional because they are the, the best at making it old school. This one's fantastic. So for you that started going through this journey and trying to figure out the tequilas that you like and, and everything like that, where did you start information gathering? I know you kind of talked about the app that was there that could try to help you determine which had additives and which didn't. How did you really get into this? And is there are there other bloggers and podcasters and people that are going out and talking about information about tequila? Like, where do you get a lot of your information? Breaking tequila. Breaking tequila.com. Yeah. yeah. There's a really good podcast called the Agave Social Club. And that's by a, a Doug Price takes care of that. And he interviews, you know, master distillers, brand ambassadors, people that are in the industry. And they showcases the brand, showcases their process. And I just kept listening to it, listening to it. And then you just cross check some things, check it out, go to find it in the store. And it just like, you know, you buy one bottle and it just keeps on going, keeps on going. And that's kind of like how it has began. And I just like to try new things. I have a friend now that we're really into it. And we were down in March at some of the distilleries. I was at Fortaleza Distillery. And it was amazing, amazing time. Being in the agave fields is pretty awesome. It's just lines and lines of agaves. It's wonderful. Highly suggest it if you guys ever want to head down there. Is there a top 10 overhyped tequila list somewhere floating around? I'm sure it's... Pretty sure it's everyone that has a celebrity next to it. I mean, there's a couple decent ones from, so like Santo from Sammy Hager and uh, I forgot his name, but they, they make decent one. I really like this number seven a lot. It's probably my favorite of the Resposados. I was about to say, I, I, hate, to, I hate to tell you there, Fonz, I kind of like this one more than their Añejo. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. You know, that's good. Same with me. You know, I have from theirs. Actually, that's that's their best. The, that's their go-to. If anyone... Talks to you about Fortaleza. It's that one. So would this be the same distillate that goes, huh? Well, then it's the bourbon barrel's fault, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> so that's essentially the only difference. Because the thing is, if a tequila is going to have a good añejo and extrañejo, they have to start with a good blanco. Because that extrañejo is just a blanco that is aged. That's the only difference. Obviously, there are differences between batches, nature, the fermentation, and all that. But it should be the same. Because this reposado was a blanco and this reposado... And the Añejo you had earlier is just aged longer than this one. So that's basically all it is. But yeah, I'm glad you like the Reposado. See, we could get out of the extra aged or little aged ones. Yeah. So one thing I don't see on your list is the Casa Azul, like the decanter bottle. That that was one of the first ones that got me like saying, okay, I can try to drink nice tequila, but... Why is that not on your list? I don't like talking bad about brands, but they're a super rich company. So what I say won't affect them. They are basically an, what we call an additive bomb. We like you say that it could be maple syrup. It could be you could put it on your pancakes because it is just extremely sweet. They do a great job of marketing. They create beautiful bottles. People love to collect them because they bring out new releases all the time, depending on Dia de los Muertos. I don't know if they have like Christmas ones, but they do a lot of different colored bottles. It is not a good tequila, but it's very sweet. And it does a good job for people that want a smooth tequila or people that just think tequila is going, it's a shot. You're just taking it to you know, get drunk. They don't see it as a sipping spirit. 
that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a very smooth tequila, and that's what they provide. There is no complexity to it at all. There's nothing special about it. It's just a additive bomb. That's how we call it, and I don't suggest it. And it's so expensive, so expensive. It's probably at least 160, maybe 180. Yeah, for the Reposado, then the Ajo is like a thousand bucks or something stupid. You could buy almost this whole lineup for that price. And I want to give a shout out because there's another guy that I follow on TikTok called the Tequila Collective, and he basically makes a mission out of making people never buy that bottle because there's so much other good stuff on the market and basically saying that don't buy this bottle. It's kind of exactly what you said there, Alfonso, is that it's basically full of sugar and all this other kind of stuff. So, hey, my neighbor bought it for me for my birthday. So, Well, and now you can put it in his face and go, well, you know, I appreciate it and all. (laughs) You know, but that's a thing people don't know. Like if you if you don't know, you're like you go based off what's put out there. And a lot of these brands, I'm sure besides Patron, I'm not sure if you guys had heard of them. They don't market. They don't do any of that because they believe people that are really into it will find it. And that's basically what it is. You know, you just got to find it. A lot of my friends like it's called uh, Casa Dragones. Are you familiar with that? Is that another no-no? Ryan, you're going to be the new tequila ambassador of Kentucky after this one because you're going to get schooled and be like, nope, 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 nope. It's kind of like what Fred did with rum and all the sugar-free stuff. Like, you're going to be the new tequila guy, right? Yeah, rum's the same, yeah. So, Casa Dragones is known to be a diffused tequila. So, they power wash their agaves. And they used, when they do that, they probably use about maybe three to four-year-old agaves. And they're able, the, the way they use it, it's pretty much they're able to get all the fermentable sugars out of it. So they use agaves that are not mature and they're able to do that so fast, so quick, but it definitely takes away from the sweetness. So what do they do when you take away sweetness? You add things to it. You add things to it to be able to keep up with that and get the profile that you're looking for. So I wouldn't recommend them. There's a lot better and cheaper options as well. than Casa Dragones. I've had the Casa Dragones and I've, I'm not a big fan of it, but a lot of my friends think it's like nectar of the gods. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people do, yeah. It's got pretty packaging and all that stuff, so. This next one, I don't know if you guys are already on number eight. Yep, I've, I've got it poured and just tasted it. So this one, I'm, I'm going to be honest, this is not one of my favorites. See, I do have one, but it's weird that I like it. It's like, well, I don't know if you guys have a bourbon that you think it's so weird, so funky that you just keep it and kind of enjoy it. To me, it's this one for me. Yeah, so this was the, the Arte Nom 1440 Reposado. Yeah, Arte Nom 1414. Now, the concept that they do is pretty cool. I know like for bourbon, you have uh, special releases, special bottles, barrel proof, stuff like that. What they do is they go to distilleries and they tell master distillers, hey, would you be interested in creating a tequila? We'll call it Arte Nom. So Nom and tequilas is what they call the distillers. They each assign a number. So, for example, this one, Arte Nom, the brand, went to the distillery that is Nom 1414 and said, hey, would you guys like to create a, one of your expressions that is different from your regular product? And we will label it as Arte Nom 1414. And that's what they did. So it's like if anyone was doing the same with bourbon and they're creating special batches from different distilleries. So that concept is pretty cool. To me, this one is it's a little weird. I don't know what you guys think about this one. It is funky. It's got that mushroom thing kind of going on. I would equate it to something that you would say, like, this is an off-profile barrel. If you were to go barrel picking or something like that, that's what I would equate it to. But when you think, kind of a question about this too, is that when they're going and trying to say, do you have something that's different or weird? 
Now, is that through the distillation process? Is that through the aging process that for some reason that whatever barrel they were doing just turned funky? Like, how did they get to this? Second part of that question, do they do column or pot stills? What do they use on those? They do copper stills or pot stills. And then a lot of it has to do with, uh, they call I have a tough time with this word, but it, terroir. So each one is different. Each field will be different. So some tequilas, like for example, tequila ocho, they use a different field for a lot of their batches and they're each going to taste different. So that's something they could have done on this one as well as changing the fermentation process. Sometimes they throw the agave fibers, which is the fibers you get after crushing it. They throw it in the fermentation. A lot of them do open air fermentation. A lot plant different types of trees nearby so that all that natural yeast is coming in. Some have their own yeast that they use. So all that definitely affects the way it will taste. And some, like, there is a fermentation process where they play, I think, some sort of music in the background because they believe all that noise and the vibrations of the Sonic music. Sonic enhancement. Yeah, they believe that. I know this distillery does that. I don't know if they did it for this specific one, but they do that at that distillery. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I just thought that was a unique thing to be able to do and try to figure out exactly how do they create something different and whether that's through a different distillation technique or if it's just a funky barrel that put it off. Yeah, a lot. Like, for example, earlier I mentioned some of them use rainwater. So if you use rainwater as opposed to spring water, that's going to create a huge difference. If they get the agaves from the highlands, which they call, it's supposed to be a little bit more, it has a different profile than the valley. You know, sometimes they're a little bit more citrusy. Sometimes they're a little bit sweeter. So it just depends where you're growing the agave and what region and at what time of the year, the field, the, the dirt, the, all that definitely takes uh, effect into the final product. It sounds like wine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very similar in that aspect. Yeah. All right. So number nine. Yeah, yeah. So what is number nine? Say it for me because I'm going to... It's called Fuente Seca Cosecha 2018. This is one of the best tequilas ever made. It's probably like a top 10 guaranteed ever made. It is a true expression of what a Blanco is. You're going to get a ton of agave flavor on this one. I'll let you guys see what you guys get out of it before I kind of influence anything that you might have picked up on it. After I've gone through these, and I'm glad you started off doing this last, you're definitely a master of your craft when it comes to it to say, okay, I'm going to take these bourbon drinkers through a tequila tasting, and I'm going to go from sweet basically down to what would be considered almost like the white dog. And that's almost what it feels like. So you get, I'm not going to say like, because I don't know exactly what an agave plant, if I took a little piece and put it in my mouth, like I don't know what it would taste like. But when I taste this, you get a little bit of the almost like a, it's not a mineral taste, but it's definitely a grainy sort of taste that you get into it. And I'm going to say it's not grainy in a bad way. It's it's like a white dog is, is kind of what you get. So a little bit of, I know there's no corn in it, but it damn near would feel like there's a little bit of corn somewhere in there. Yeah, it's very sweet, like sweet uh, mouthfeel. And to me, I don't know about you guys, a lot of black pepper in this, a lot of black pepper, a lot of spiciness. It's definitely it. one of the more spiciness on it. I don't want to say harsh, but I guess more like intensity on the back end than all the other ones, which were kind of more subdued. I think this is a 94 proof or maybe 96. This was 89.6. Oh, so it's still not even terribly. Fuente Seca makes nothing but amazing stuff. They do. They actually have some of the longest aged ones. They have like a 21 year old one, I think 18 and maybe a 15 year. Very expensive. Very expensive. This Blanco is expensive. This is $125 for a Blanco. That is like super premium Blanco tequila. It's like Peerless coming out to your wrap. 
No, I'm kidding. It's a hilarious analogy there, Ryan. But the other side of this is that what would make a Blanco tequila so expensive? Like, I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around that. It's the same exact thing as being able to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to make the best white dog whiskey moonshine there is, and I'm going to charge $100 for it. Nobody's going to bite in the whiskey world, but what would make that happen in the tequila world? Well, they won't really say, but I'm pretty sure they probably used the Gaves that were 10 years old or pushing it higher. So, you know, that's money sitting. The agave, if it's there, that is going to be premium, mature agaves that they're using. So I'm sure that's why it's very, you know, that plays into the the profile of the tequila. Also, it was a very, probably a special field. They measure the bricks level on the agaves with some technology that they use, tools that they use to measure that. And that's, that's how they do it. And then this particular tequila does sit in the still for, I believe, two years. I believe it's two years. So that's also money being said. And so it's pretty much, it's not aging because it's not in a, in the barrel, but it sits in the still for a very long time. And then they bottle it and all that. So it is a long process. They're probably using very high end mature agaves. So another question about the agave plant, and this is kind of me just trying to learning here, is that once it's growing, how can you tell if it's mature enough and ready to go? Is there some marking on it or does somebody just know in a spreadsheet that said, okay, plant 6942B over here was planted X amount of years ago and now it's going to be ready? What's the visual representation? They grew up to be huge, but not only, I mean, they know they plant the whole field at once. So they all know if this field has been two years, four years, good brand will start checking in on them till at least the five. I mean, they check on them regularly, but to harvest them, at five year, six year mark. So they'll know that. And then they go measure the bricks, let one hand select the ones that they want and are ready to go. And that's kind of how they they move on to it. Other brands just pick up. We're looking for any type of agave and we're just throwing it all because we got to keep up with the production, the demand. And that's why their product is inferior to the other ones. So there's not like a certain size or like thing that blooms or something with it that says, all right, it's ready. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there is a, it's called a quiote and it blooms, but once it blooms, that I believe blooms after the 10 year mark. So they don't even let it get to there because all the sugars would go up to that. They would go up to there and they're not on the piña. So they don't really get it, let it achieve that, but it does happen. Makes sense. All right. I'm on the 10 and we're back to, this is what I think of tequila. <laughs> and this, my friend is the most, uh, this is the overproof, or I say overproof one. It was the most proof. So 96 on this one. Yeah, ninety six on this one. But Alfonso, you got to do me a favor. You got to you got to say the name because I'm I'm gonna butcher it. It's called Cascawin, Cascawin forty eight. See, if I started with you guys with this one, you would have been really like, oh, this this is gonna be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and this is gonna be tough for everyone that's not into it that much. Like, even though you guys are you know have gone through it, it's still very there's very much to that. Yeah, this needs lime juice and uh and some contro. No, it's it's not bad. It's it's definitely not bad. It's just compared to all these other stellar ones, it's a shock to the palate. I don't know. I I kind of enjoy it. No, I it's one of the best. Cascawin makes some of the best stuff. Their whole distillery makes absolutely one of the best of everything. They have a couple of brands coming out of there and they're all really really good. It's very citrusy to me this one, like very citrusy. If I was to use one in a Cadillac margarita, this is going to be it because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like me out there. I love my drinks to be a little, if I'm making them at home, I like to be a little bit booze heavy on them, a little bit front forward. And that's why we use like bookers when we 
make old fashions. Like we want to use barrel proof stuff because we want to taste the actual whiskey. This one, I feel like you're going to taste the tequila when you're having a, a drink with this one. A lot of brands at the beginning have mentioned that they started making a still strength or overproof what's considered for us overproof tequila because a lot of bartenders requested it. A lot of the bartenders they worked with would try, they would go to the distillery, try the tequilas coming off the still and they'd be like, why don't you bottle this? This is perfect for, you know, cocktails and stuff. Now, as you know, people enjoy sipping and stuff, they've have learned to enjoy the overproof tequilas as well. Next time I sent you guys one. This is the 110. This is probably my favorite overproof tequila. This is like, I wish I could drink this every day. I could, but I shouldn't. But I want to drink this every day. But this is Cascawin. I know at the beginning right now it's a little overpowering, but it's really good. No, it is, it is good. And so I kind of want to think about this in terms of bourbon too, because typically when people come out with a barrel-proof type of bourbon or a bourbon that is above 100 proof, usually the price point goes up just a little bit. Is the same exact thing happened in the tequila world too, where the 80, 90s are pretty well, you know, in that same kind of range or in a varied range. But then as soon as you jump into 100 proof and above, then does it start skyrocketing or is there something like this still in a very affordable type of range? It, it like for what we would call MSRP, I guess it is pretty pricey. The one good thing about tequila right now is that secondary market doesn't really exist. But they do raise the prices. Like that Cascawin, the one we're trying right now, is probably around the $75 bottle for a Blanco MSRP. That is pretty, what most people would consider pretty pricey. But for enthusiasts, you'd be like, I'll take it. And luckily, there is no secondary market right now. There are some that are out there, but it's pretty much still where it should be at. So we're at the point where if anybody is into bourbon and you realize that kind of bourbon hunting is kind of, it's hard to do because everybody knows what good bourbons are out there. Stores know what good bourbons are out there. Prices are all over the place. And there is a huge secondary market. So on the tequila side, if you're just getting into this, it's basically bourbon in 2010, right? Because you can go and you can kind of, you really just have to hunt. Like if you have to, if you like something, you've got to have a connection or a friend that lives in a liquor store or a place that specializes in something that you can get it and and you can't get it in your own backyard. So it truly is back to the hunt for a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with tequila, you should, I mean, you'd probably have to figure out what liquor stores or what stores carry it. Total Wine carries a fair amount of this one. Like even the Fuente Seca one, they have it usually. I feel like all the ones you've presented, I feel like I've seen those in the tequila at Total Wine. I'm trying to think, the, the one you probably would have to hunt a little bit more is that Cascawin. That one is pretty, I haven't seen it in any big stores. All the other brands I have seen, or you might have to go to maybe three stores to find it. But you will not be like, you know, you're chasing down a whatever you want. I get, I get excited when it's not I like see an it. antique collection kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely not. No. I like this Yeo Blanco pretty good. I was about to say, let's talk about number 11 here. Yeah. I don't have the bottle. I finished that one. That Yeo is actually only like a $35 bottle. And it's a Blanco. And it is, uh, to me, that it's really, really good. It's one of those agave bombs. I feel like there's so much agave in that. It's such a nice, cheap bottle for the price. I was about to say, I forget where we were. Maybe it was when we first moved into the Reposado and we started talking about, maybe I was when I said, oh, there's, there's a little bit of grain characteristics in here. This is just like a overpowering, there's like a honeysuckle, there's a fruit explosion into it. I really love the way that this, the, the Yeyo Blanco actually tastes. And there's actually some creaminess to it too. Compared to the other Blancos. Mm -hmm. 
some Blancos are very creamy, give you that texture of the mouthfeel. And that, that's what is pretty cool about Blancos. And I'm glad you guys are like finding those different characteristics that Blancos aren't just for mixing. They're they're actually like really good for sipping. And so is Reposados. But yeah, Yayo is a, I wish I had the bottle to show it to you guys. It's very, It's a very simple bottle. It's pretty cool. Well, it just moved to the top of my list of of things to go and get at the store for for kind of we're going on a shopping spree. We might this. have to after this. <laughs> we might have to go see see what's out there because I'm really impressed by being able to go through this because I definitely see the progression of being able to go from extra on Yeho all the way down to Blanco and definitely noticing the difference in sweetness and then tasting more of the agave as you get down to it and really finding those nuances between all of them. It is very much like whiskey at the end of the day. You know, you had mentioned that there's terroir that plays a role into this, to be able to know exactly where the agave plant's being grown, how it's being harvested and distilled and everything like that. It actually makes it to the the final product. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now we're on the last one and this brand is big enough that they will not be affected by what I say. And this is a Casa Amigo Reposado. I can taste the, you can taste the Clooney in it. No, I can taste the flavor man in it. Yeah, you should be able, after going through all of these, if you were to try to, at the beginning, you might not notice, but that's also why I put it at the end, even though it's a reposado. Because I feel like just by smelling it, nosing it, you will instantly tell there is something in there. Yeah, it's very sugary, creamy, vanilla It's almost imitation, though. It really does. It is the fireball of tequila. Yeah, it's one of the, like, if I ever say, you know, don't drink something, that's, that's, I will say to not drink that one. Casamigos is limit one per customer, total wines. It's so funny. I always cry. I always laugh. I always laugh. They've done a great job of marketing, selling, and, you know, on a business standpoint, they're amazing. They're amazing at it from a business standpoint, but for a product, it is not great. And when I'm bartending and people are like, let's get a nice tequila shot and they, Ask for that, I have to bite my tongue and just turn around and just pour it before I say anything else. Because I'm like, man, that's not good stuff, man. That's not good stuff. Do you have a like an inner turmoil and battle that you try to fight? I mean, you said you, you bite your tongue. Do you ever say, do you think I could convince you to try anything else? Or is it one of those things that the customer's always right unless they ask for a recommendation? No, I, I would, but I don't have like I don't have the selection at my bar. Like I mentioned, I don't know how many of these brands you guys had heard of or were aware of, but they don't really if it's distributed to a restaurant, it's going to be an agave bar or a place that really values tequilas. You know, and for the average restaurant, they are going to put on their shelf what sells. And this, unfortunately, this this sells. Everybody has heard Casamigos. Everybody has heard Don Julio. The Patron is solid and everyone has heard Patron. Terramana from The Rock, people are hearing that. Class Azul, everybody knows the bottle. But if I mention Yeyo, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, what kind of name is that for a tequila? So that's why I bite my tongue because I can't talk and then not give them something better to offer. Yeah, but Alfonso, I mean, you're right. When you taste the Casamigos or even smell it, it shouldn't be hard to realize that there is just a boatload of sugar or vanilla or extract or something that's added in there that definitely alters the flavor compared to what the natural spirit should taste like. And for me personally, this is the first time that I've ever gone through and really had a somebody that's educated that can tell me exactly what's going on inside of the tequila space and make you not be so 
consumed or biased by outside opinion or celebrities or anything like that. And I guess to give another shout out to the guy that does the Tequila Collective, you know, he talks about how basically celebrity tequilas are something that you shouldn't chase after. Is that Casamigos is a very good representation of that. I mean, is that I know there's Kendall Jenner with her 818 tequila and some other things. I know that what the guys from Breaking Bad, they did their own tequila. Are pretty much all celebrity tequilas kind of fitting in that same exact realm or is there only a handful of them that garner the attention that puts a a bad reputation on them? No, they're mostly all bad. There are a couple that are backed (laughs) by celebrities and they're decent, but they're mostly all bad. Like, let's say The Rocks, The Rocks tequila. Well, The Rock, they called themselves a small batch tequila and they produced, I forgot how many cases last year that it would be impossible for them to be a small batch. Yeah, it was like term 50,000 cases. Yeah, like how, how can that be small batch? That's not small batch. And they they source tequila out. I don't know if it's confirmed, but it's a big rumor. They source tequila. So, you know, they, everything is just, they're just bottling different stuff into the bottles and they're just throwing the label on. There isn't consistency on it. So that's kind of like what they're doing. I mean, it's great for people that are selling their agaves over there to them and, you know, it's creating business for them. That's the only good side to it. But still, you, I wouldn't recommend it. I would not recommend it. Marketing wins in the tequila space too. It does. Yeah. Marketing is king. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've been enlightened. Yeah, I know there's like liquor store owners that have said, you know, when they get tequila, they're like, oh, which celebrity backs this? You know, because that's what they want. That's what sells. That's their standard. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, this is a customer education aspect, right? Right now, we all kind of know inside the bourbon world, bourbon enthusiasts, and even people that aren't bourbon enthusiasts, they they have their gravitation of where they go in regards of the the brands that they like and everything like that. And most of them are not just going to be celebrity backed. But the ones that make the noise inside the tequila world are, of course, the ones that have a sort of celebrity connection or have a bunch of marketing dollars behind them. So that's why people probably know about them. So hopefully this episode and the education that you're able to share will help at least some of the people here that are wanting to know more about tequilas that really want to get into it. And whether you want to know, you want to buy an extra Añejo, a Reposado, and a Blanco and really kind of compare them. I think this is a, a great way to get through it. And to echo what I said earlier, this is still one of the best ways that I've been able to learn and hone in and figure out exactly what I like, because you're right. A lot of these brands that Fuente Seca, El Tesoro, Fortaleza, like I've never heard of any of these things before because I've never really paid attention. I've been one of those people that looked at the shelf and go, ah, it's tequila, right? Let's just go put it in the margarita at the end of the day. So this has been a great education experience for me. And for anybody that's out there as a listener, if you want to know all the brands and the tasting, or should I say the descriptions that Alfonso gave, I'm going to put this PDF on the website so you can go and you can download it and kind of understand exactly what we were tasting as we were going through here, one through 12. And you can go and hopefully pick up a bottle at your store and figure out exactly how you can go on your, now don't, fear, don't fall off a little bit off the bourbon train, but you can go buy a few bottles of tequila and understand what's going on there too. Use Alfonso's promo codes. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I wish I had to. <laughs> Nah, and it's cool. They do, uh, just like, you know, bourbon, there's a thrill to the hunt and they do a lot of these do special releases. I'm going to just show one, for example, here. This is Fortaleza. Every winter, they do a blend on that for the last two winters. And for example, this one was aged in American and French oak Marsala barrels. So all of these brands do something special because they are trying to, they see what 
is happening in the bourbon with bourbon in the here in the U.S. So they're trying to do something like that. I know, for example, one brand we didn't try, Tequila Ocho. They are part of the Heaven Hill, I feel. And I believe they're working on the Añejo through barrels of Widow Jane. So, you know, sometimes they the brands will announce where they age it. So if you're a fan of that barrel, that you could kind of keep an eye on that. And over the a fan of that bourbon, you could keep an eye on that. So it's, they do a lot of cool things as well, just like bourbon. Right on. Real cool. Well, Alfonso, once again, thank you for a sharing a lot of this great tequila with us. As soon as you started saying how much these bottles cost now, I feel bad. I'm like, holy crap, he's sending us like $125 bottle samples over here. It's like, we got to send him more than a t-shirt to say thank you. So it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Likewise, I had a lot of things. We'll send him some rum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I want to say what an absolute pleasure it was to have you on here and be able to not only educate Ryan and I on the tequila world and make sure that Ryan knows when he goes and talks to his friends and says, no, that's really bad additive tequila. Don't buy that. So so, so now he knows what good tequila is all about. No one cares what I have to say, even my <laughs> friends especially. But I'll at least try to enlighten them. This was super fun and I had a great time. And I now have a deeper respect for this stuff. And yeah, it is amazing tasting the imitation stuff compared to all the true representation. So I really appreciate you taking the time, but it's incredible that you sent us all these samples and I, I'm just thankful we got to do this. This was fun. Uh, well, thanks guys. I, I love listening to your show and uh, I always have a blast listening to you guys. So thanks for the time as well from you guys. Well, much appreciated. So people want to know more about Drinks with Fonz. How do they find out more about you, get in contact with you, follow you, all those kinds of things? Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram, and that is drinks.with.fonz. And I uh, just post cocktails and tequila, bourbon stuff there. And then if you're in Southern California and need a mobile bartending business, I'm at drinkswithfonz.com. There you go. I swear, if I was in Southern California, I'm going to hire this guy for every event that I have. Yeah, I mean, you guys take a trip down here. I'm in. I like Southern California any time of the year. We'll get Tony to pay for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll come. But Alfonso, thank you once again for coming on and schooling us. Make sure you follow him. Make sure you check him out, especially on his website if you are in the Southern California area, if you're looking for a mobile bartending service. But if you also look and make sure that you follow us on all the socials, Bourbon Pursuit on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, everything like that. And if you like the show, make sure you share it with a friend, leave us a review, whatever it is. If you're like, hey, we want to hear more tequila stuff, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll maybe have another tequila person on. I don't know. If you want to run Tequila Pursuit, let me know and we'll we'll license it out to you. But other than that, we're going to be sticking to our sweet corn. But this was, a, once again, a, a fantastic way to kind of see how the two worlds of, of bourbon and tequila kind of have a crossover and, and share a connection. And, you know, of course, the, the barrel plays a big role in everything at the end of the day. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>